Oh, the lights are... It's brutal. Like, you really yes. Hello, hello. All right. Take a seat. We're going to get this thing rolling. And let's see. 9.38. Ava, you keep me on time. We're going 30 minutes. Fast and furious here. So, welcome. This is called a late night because it is late at night. And it is a little extra thing that we're doing to talk about a topic that... Um, is, de- is an implication of even what the text was about tonight. And actually in chapter four, he's going to actually specifically talk about um, drunkenness in there. And so we, we wanted to get out ahead of it a little bit and give it a little more attention tonight. And also St. Patrick's Day is coming up next week, I believe. So that is the timing of this. Um, drinking and partying is what we titled it. They kind of go hand in hand. And when you think about the college experience, you, you think about these two things. There's obviously a lot more that goes into partying than just drinking alcohol, but is a big part of it. And so we're kind of talking about all of that tonight with a special focus on, on alcohol. And, and for you as college students, if you're trying to follow Jesus, this is a big area of your life and a big thing that you got to try to figure out how to navigate. And so I'm Ronnie. You should have met me tonight already. This is my wife, Caitlin, who's going to be up here having a conversation with me. And then this is David Livingston. And so basically what you're going to see us do is just have like a conversation with each other in front of you and then, and then with all of you. And we're going to kind of take it in like three parts. First, we're going to talk a little bit about each of our stories with, with this. Like where do we come from with this? And then specifically, like what was, the, what was the appeal for us? Did it deliver? Did it not deliver? Did it kind of deliver? Um, then we're going to shift to talking about what does the Bible have to say about this. And then we'll spend some time at the end talking to maybe some specific people in the room that might be in some different places. So let's kick it off with just kind of stories. So Caitlin, if you want to take the... Mike, we'll start with you. If you would introduce yourself, and then Caitlin, just tell us what has been your story with partying and drinking. Okay, these lights, you guys, are like really intense, so I'm having a hard time. Like, I don't, I don't know how you guys do this all the time. Um, so I'm going to just look at you. Um, so I'm Caitlin. I'm Ronnie's wife. Um, but before I knew Ronnie, I was um, in high school, and that's really where my story like with drinking started. So um, I started drinking and partying pretty early at like 15, um, and really just, when you're 15, you just like don't know what you're doing in life in general, um, and then to be like wrapped up with like alcohol and like not even understanding really the consequences of some of my actions, um, so that was the story I would say until I became a Christian, um, I became a Christian my senior year of high school. Um, but for a while there, like, I kind of had one foot in the world, one foot out, double life um, for quite some time, um, and really started, like, pursuing hard after Jesus once I got to college. So um, my freshman year, um, I really didn't have the traditional college experience of, like, going out and drinking because my high school years were spent how most people's, like, freshman year typically goes when they enter college. Um, but, yeah, I would say, like, is that, do you want me to talk more about that or just, like, that's enough? Yeah, keep going. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to share. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I would say, like, the appeal for me was that Ronnie and I, we went to the same high school. Some of you know that. We went to, like, a large, like, 6,000-person high school. So um, it was, like, it was kind of like the college experience in that, like, there were many parties to go to. There, there was always something happening. Um, and there was just, like, a pressure really early on, similar to how freshmen feel here. That's how I felt, like, at 15 as a sophomore in high school. Like, just, like, that was what everyone was doing. Um, you went out. You went to different people's houses. And the appeal for me was mostly, like, I was super insecure. So, um, like, drinking made me 
more fun, I thought. Um, and I also thought like it was more attractive or something like that for, for you to be more fun. Um, so yeah, I think, but, but the, the root of it was that I was just like super insecure of myself and um, I, thought that, I thought that I wasn't like that great so alcohol made me cooler or something like that. So yeah, really that was my experience. And then the only other thing I was gonna say is like there is also, when you, when you turn 21 and you're a Christian, so like that was my scenario, I live with like three Christian girls we all love Jesus, like we were 21 years old, um, so it's okay to drink, right? Um, and it's, that's also a tricky thing to navigate too, like to, because now it's okay, but then if you're like in Christian community, you, you'll see people be like, well, we can go out and like get drunk and stuff, and this is fine now, and you're like, ah, oh, but it's not. So there's something, there's a, that's maybe another conversation, but I think it can be tricky to navigate that as well when you're like post 21, trying to like live as a Christian and be honorable, like with Okay, so then for me, Caitlin, when she was kind of sharing her story, that was... Should I like give this back? No, you're, oh. it's yours. You got it. Yep. Um, <laughs> for, for me, I, so we went to the same high school. Um, Caitlin and I actually met our junior year of high school, and neither of us were really Christians, and she was still kind of... In a hot tub, right? In a hot tub. That's a di- story for a different day, Dave. <laughs> story for a different day. I, I, I would love to tell the story. I, maybe yes, maybe no. one of the... Well, I, I won't tonight. We don't have time tonight. We don't have time tonight. But um, if yes. I'm not here one week and he tells that story, one of you better text me because he's going to be in trouble. It's been told several times. When we were in the hot, the night, the night that we met in the hot tub, you were still actively, actively drinking and partying. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now for me, about a year before that, I was trying to get into that life, my sophomore year in high school. But what happened to me is that me and my friends, as we would, you know, we, uh, drank and got drunk a handful of times and went to some parties, but what we kept doing is we would take my friend's uh, parents' alcohol and we kept getting caught, okay? So they kept, they kept catching us. And so honestly, it just kind of came to a head to me, for me where we kept getting grounded and kept getting caught. And I got to the point where I was like, I just can't even get away with this. And so I wasn't able to do it anymore. And it wasn't because I loved God or anything. It was just, I was like, oh, I literally can't, can't even do this. So a year later when I met Caitlin, yes, in a hot tub, um, I had already, I had already been um, off, off, uh, off the alcohol and stuff. So now, David, you've never drank alcohol before, is what I heard. No, no, oh. no. Um, I have drank it once. No, I. So my story, my, no, my, my story uh, with with alcohol and and yeah, and all of this. So my dad, he grew up with uh, an alcoholic grandfather, and different kind of alcoholics in, in his extended family. And so my dad grew up. Um, in a context where he saw alcohol abused in like a really destructive way. And so when he, my dad became a Christian, he kind of had decided like pretty hard line, I'm just not going to drink. Like I've seen the destructive ways this can be used. And so I'm just going to decide not to drink at all. So my, my parents are actually like teetotalers. Like they don't drink at all. Tea what? Um, teetotalers. I, I think it's what people who don't drink call themselves or uh-huh. the people who do drink call people who don't drink. So anyway, they don't drink alcohol at all. So it's just not part of kind of our family growing up. And I think even growing up, um, you know, because of that, I think my parents had a, uh, just like a distaste for uh, people who drank, period. So I think there was even actually some like self-righteous like judgment that was in my family kind of growing up towards anyone who would like dabble in alcohol at all. Um, and so I kind of grew up in, in that kind of environment. And so I kind of had this idea that, yeah, I'm not going to drink because this is like an unwise thing to do. I kind of grew up in that kind of a family. Uh, but yeah, in high school, me and my friends, um, 
yeah, like a lot of people drank. We went to like a, a smaller Christian school, so our social dynamics were like way weird and not the <laughs> uh, But we still like wanted to drink as friends, and so we didn't really have like my parents didn't have alcohol we could steal, so we like would literally go to gas stations and like we would steal alcohol. So like we there was like a whole like just a lot of things that were off in our lives, and so we we started like stealing alcohol, and we we're basically trying to figure out like how do we just experiment with this in our friend group. And it kind of all came to a head. There, there was one night where we were in my friend's uh, basement, and we were all uh, very drunk. And my, my friend ended up, like, almost cutting, like, a few of his fingers off, like, on, on glass. And anyway, we had to, like, it was, it was, a, it was a mess. It's a lot longer story. We basically had to, like, call the cops, had to call parents. We are like, this is, like, not good. And um, a bunch of us got drinking tickets. And that, so my, like, story with, with alcohol was, like, very, very fast, very, very deep, very quickly. But it only took place over, like, a few months and then I kind of had this, like, come to Jesus moment after that and was like, I, okay, I'm, like, seeing where my life is headed with this. And it's, it's like, really destructive really fast. And so I kind of had, like, a hard stop, um, yeah, like, halfway through high school that kind of continued in through college. And so um, I actually didn't start drinking alcohol again until I was probably, like, 22 or 23 years old. Even when I turned 21, I, I uh, yeah, I didn't, didn't drink at first. It took mm-hmm. a while. Um, but, yeah, I regularly enjoy alcohol now, so. So, so let me ask you guys both this, still related to your stories. What, when, if you can remember back, what was kind of like the promise or the appeal to drinking and partying that you were like, this is why I want to do this. This is the appeal. I honestly don't know that I really ever wanted to do it. I feel like it was like, um, I was a runner, like a pretty like track and field and cross country. So I was like pretty devoted in my sport. So I knew it was terrible for me, but like I did it because I just, that's the crew I hung out with and I wanted to hang out with them. Um, so that was the appeal. But then, like I shared earlier, I feel like part of it was like the opposite sex, like you want attention and um, that got me attention or um, yeah, just to be like, I feel like uh, when I was living the like double life part of like my journey um, to being a Christian, um, I would say like the appeal then was that I didn't want people to think I was judgmental. So I was like, oh, I can have a drink and like not get drunk, but I was 16, like, so no. Um, but I think I just, yeah, I think I just didn't want to be a judgmental Christian. So I was like, I'm trying to be like a cool Christian and that wasn't great either, especially being 16, so. Okay, what about you, Dave? Remind me of the question. What was the appeal? What was the? Oh, the appeal, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, for, for me, it wasn't so much like fitting in. I think it, just, it was fun, you know. I mean, I think that's the, the truth about alcohol is like it, there is something that it does in you where it like it, you know, it takes away your inhibitions. It makes you bold. It makes you able to uh, act in social environments that are not actually normal with your personality, right? Things that are like it allows you to, to do things. And, and so I think for, for, for me and my friends, it was just like it, it does create an environment that can be fun or can uh, if you don't know what to do, you're like, well, we will drink and something interesting will happen. Um, and so I think like that, that's true. You know, that's mm-hmm. something that's true about it. And so we don't, we don't need to like mince words about it. Like there is something about alcohol that can be fun and can um, lead to environments like where you, there's stories that will happen the next day because alcohol was involved. So I think for, for me and my friends, that was it. So part of, part of tonight, even, and we're going to shift to the Bible in a second, is acknowledging that because there's, there's something, there's something about you know, all these things that God has created where there's like, there's like goodness in it or there's like a purpose for it. And oftentimes what sin is, is it's taking a good gift that God's given us and then just using it in the wrong context 
using it for the wrong reasons, abusing it, br- blowing it out of, out of proportion. And that is like kind of at the core one of the things that we do with alcohol, right? And so even the thing that you're, that you're tapping into with it and like the, the appeal of it, there, there's a way that that can actually be good. So that's where I want to go next is just talk about what, what does the Bible actually say about it? So that was our experience. I'll start with you, uh, Livingston. Um, and we can kind of go back and forth between each other because the Bible says a lot about it. But wherever you want to start, what's, what's something that you would want to share that says, like, here's, here's some perspective from the Bible about alcohol? Yeah, so, I mean, th- for, for me, the, the way I grew up having kind of like a negative view of alcohol or having like a maybe a judgmentalism towards people who would drink, I think for me it was actually pretty revealing when I started understanding in the Bible how much like wine and, and alcohol is actually like lifted up as something that's actually yeah, made by God and is actually good. I mean, if you look at like the, the festivals of Israel, like God like blessed the, the Israelites with wine. And so Psalm 104 says like wine gladdens the heart, right? Like there's something that is like a gift from God. So like it's God's giving us this thing. And the thing that it does, like, is it's like it makes human beings happy, right? So like that's something that alcohol does. And the Bible seems to like uphold that and say, this is actually not something negative, it's something good, and actually God intended it for that purpose. Um, so I think for me, that was like one of the things that was like pretty revealing is that the Bible doesn't actually start with this like, hey, there's this thing in the world and it's like really bad, be really careful with this. It actually starts with kind of saying, hey, like one of the blessings of God is actually you would have the kind of abundance in your life where you wouldn't just need to drink things that keep you alive, like water, but you would actually have such an abundance of his provision that you'd actually be able to drink something like wine, which like tastes good and makes you happy. So that's like... So from the very beginning, mm-hmm. like, you know, God put this in our world, like you're saying, like, it's actually a good gift that actually symbolizes in some ways, like, the prosperity that comes when your relationship with God and he blesses a community. So you, even today, we're, we're teaching this class called Gospel 101 in Salt Company. Some of you guys are there, and uh, Sam Roberts was teaching the class yesterday and today, and he walked us through the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. And so if you're familiar with the story, part of, like, the arc of the story is that there's this son who basically like looks at his father and says, hey, I want my inheritance now. I'm, I'm going to leave you behind. And he goes out into the world to pursue what the text calls like reckless living. And so he's, he's partying. There's probably alcohol involved. There's women involved. There's all these things involved. And he's pursuing kind of like the pleasure and the joy that we know is like somewhat, somewhere like attached to like, it's like celebrations and festivals and parties. And if you can think with me for a second and you know how the story ends, Does anyone know what happens at the end of the story when he comes back to his father and what his father does for him? They have a huge party. which So it's it's this crazy thing where he went out into the world and left his father behind. And as Jesus explains, this is supposed to be like a metaphor for our relationship with God. As we leave God behind in search of joy, in search of fulfillment, in search of life. And then in this reckless living, he ends up basically at rock bottom. He ends up in a pigsty. And then... When he comes back to his father and his father forgives him, the thing that his father does is not say, okay, so no more partying. He actually throws him a party, but now like in the right context and with the right, the right fullness. So let, let's stay on that for just a second and like keep talking about the, po- the positive like aspects of alcohol and even partying. Caitlin, what, what thoughts do you have on that? I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> okay, um, I think, yeah, I think that you can have a drink with your friends when you're 21, and it's great. Like, you can have a great conversation, and like, um, like David was sh- saying, like, it can make people happy, and it can be like a fun, like, you can have a bottle of wine with your friends, and it's not, it's fine, it's good. So, um, 
I would say that, and I think like there's a yeah, I think like we're not to be ruled by anything, right? So nothing is supposed to be our master. So alcohol, you know, it, it it's fine if it's not your master. If you're not like getting drunk and depending on it to like get you through the day, or like you're depending on it to be able to have a good time with your friends, like that's kind of not okay. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that would be, I, I think it can be a really good thing as long as you don't make it something that it shouldn't be. If you, if you allow it to rule, rule any part of your life, then. So that's a, that's a great one for y'all to take away is there's, there's this thing that happens where we take like the good gifts that God gives us and then we blow them out of proportion and what the Bible says that we, they turn into these things called idols. Okay, so we take something that's a good gift and we basically elevate it to the status of God and whatever is your God is the thing that controls you, right? And you, you become like a, a servant to that thing. And so that's kind of the dynamic that you have to watch for in your life with alcohol is it has this now become something that's controlling me? And so maybe David, if you can take it from there, like how, how do you figure out in your life like when, or in somebody else's life, when is alcohol kind of cross that line? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you, yeah, when you begin to use it in a way that the Bible says not to use it, right? So I think, I mean, the Bible has this kind of clear line where it's like, wine glands the heart. And I mean, even the, the verse that I was thinking of is like in Isaiah, you know, this is what it says. It says, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And, and he's tying this to actually the day when he's going to like make the world new again. So like the new creation, like there's something of like abundance in the new creation. And he uses wine to talk about that. And so... I think the tension is like, you know, so I, I think the tension is this, um, and so to pull back one, one step further. So I think one of the things that can happen when, is when God calls something good and says there's a good way to use this. I think one of the things that Christians can actually often do is we can say, well, even though God said it's good, I'm going to say it's bad. And so I think we need to actually be careful of that. So this is what Eve does in the Garden of Eden, right? Like God says, hey, don't eat from this tree. And then Eve, Eve goes, well, we're not supposed to eat of it or even touch it, right? And so what she does is she, like, kind of adds this extra rule, and she, like, makes this thing that God's saying, like, this is here, just don't eat from it. And she's like, we're going to set kind of further boundaries to keep ourselves safe from this thing. And so I think with alcohol, it's like, we are, I think one of the reasons it's important to actually set up why is it, like, something that we can actually enjoy and something that actually God has, like, kind of put into our world is something that he defines largely as good when it's used rightly is if Christians, if we look at this and we say, like, this is actually something that's bad and evil, what Satan wants to use is that that's called legalism, right? And so that's what Satan wants to do is actually cause that to do something in our heart where we then become self-righteous against other people who do use alcohol in a right or wrong way. But then also what it will do is actually will cause something in our hearts to, so that alcohol will not be this thing that we look at and go, God actually created this in the world for me to enjoy as his child in the right way. What it will cause in our hearts to happen is for us to say, this is something that everyone else seems to be enjoying and my dad won't let me enjoy it, right? And so if that's the posture you take towards alcohol, it actually becomes really destructive because then it becomes this thing that your other father, Satan, holds out to you and says, take this and use it in the way I tell you and I will bring you blessing. Where one of the things at the very beginning we wanna do is we wanna say, actually the Bible tends to hold out these things like alcohol, sex, money, like so many of the different things that we can use in a sinful way, but the Bible actually begins by saying, hey, God made this, and actually he has designed the world that when you use this rightly, it brings you blessing, and it makes you happy and fills your life with joy, but because sin is in our hearts, there's a way to misuse it, and so mm -hmm. I think for, for me, when I would say, how do we misuse it, 
It's when, yes, like when like the gladdening of your heart that wine does, when you take that and you like, you consume too much, right? Like the Bible would just say like, hey, don't get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there seems to be like this altering thing that happens with wine, right? And this like seems to be, it's like, we know this is true, okay? <laughs> Drink too much wine, you're gonna get drunk. And there's this thing that happens where the Bible's saying like, hey, you can like, there's this gladdening effect that things in the world have. When you take them to like too much of them, it actually begins to be destructive, not just to your psyche, but actually to like the people around you, to the way you act and in your inhibitions. And so for me, it's like as simple as that. Right. I think it's just like, there's a specific thing you do where you, take, where you drink too much, where it alters your mind in such a way where you actually, be, it, not, it no longer glands your heart, but actually begins to destroy your life. Mm-hmm. And so I think in the moment, that would be where it, it turned into that. Totally. You got something with that, babe? Or? I forgot what the question was. Well, I didn't know if you were jumping off him. Oh. No, so I, th- I think to make that, that clear, one of, the, one of the things you're trying to figure out is like, okay, so I hear that alcohol is actually a good gift that, that God created, but then what are, what are the boundaries around it that I'm not supposed to cross? The, the super simple one is from the sermon, right? Well, if you're not 21, it's illegal, so very simple. You shouldn't, you shouldn't drink alcohol. But if you are 21, there's this, there's this thing of like, okay, drunkenness, and like, when do I get to that line? And the, the passage that David was just quoting is from Ephesians chapter five, and this would honestly be a great one if you're, if you're like wrestling with this and trying to figure out like, why is it sinful to drink? Like, what is, what is going on with that? Ephesians chapter five, verse 15 through 21 is a great passage for you to study. And it says in verse 18, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. And so what Paul's doing is he's actually setting up a contrast, right? He's saying like the one thing you could do is get drunk with wine and you do that for some reason and that would be called debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. And so he seems to be saying that like the the very thing that you're after when you're getting drunk on alcohol, he's saying the reason that's sin is because God the Holy Spirit wants to satisfy you in that way instead, and in a better way, and in a way where he actually delivers on his promises. And so if you think about all the reasons that we will, will drink too much alcohol, like there's, there's tons of them, but it's like one of them might be you're trying to escape from stress or escape from pain or just escape from something, right? Alter your state of mind. What God is saying to you is don't get, don't get drunk on wine because that's actually gonna be destructive for your life even though there'll be an escape. Be filled with the Spirit. Like, draw close to me. Like, come under, come under my influence rather than the influence of, of alcohol. And I'll actually give you, like, be your refuge. I'll be, like, an actual safe place for you. You know, sometimes with, with alcohol, the reason that we're drinking it is, is literally just for pleasure, right? And just for, like, the fun of it. And as we've mentioned, it, it does do that. But he says, rather than like giving yourself over to the influence of alcohol and having it be like your master, this thing that controls you, come more and more under my influence and experience the joy that comes from me. And so it's really key to understand that drunkenness is not just like this arbitrary, it's like, yeah, for some reason we're not supposed to, to do that. There's all kinds of reasons why it makes you more foolish and it can be destructive and it's clearly, you just look at the history of the world, it's clear, clearly damaging. But a huge part of it is God is saying, like, I want to give you the thing that you're after in alcohol, and I want to give it to you in a way that I'm actually going to deliver on, on what I'm promising. And so that's, that's huge. Did you have something? Yeah, okay. Sorry, you're moving. Okay. So here, here's where we are going to land the plane a little bit. We kind of, like, talked a little bit about what the Bible has to say. 
but some more of that's gonna come out in this. So there's basically like four different places that people in this room could be, and we just wanna talk like specifically to, to people in the room, and I'm gonna ask you uh, guys to address it. So first, David, if there's somebody in the room that is like, basically they're, they're actively drinking and partying, and they're at this spot where they, they don't care, or they don't see anything that's wrong with it, what would just be your encouragement to them? Yeah, um, so one of the things that's really cool is when Jesus came to planet Earth, <laughs> Like, he, he didn't go into, like, um, the places where you'd normally think, like, a really, really religious person would hang out. Like, Jesus actually went to the parties. He went, and, and he was known as, like, hanging out with the tax collectors and sinners. And so I think, you know, if Jesus was here today, I think you'd actually find him, like, at State Street. You'd, I think you'd actually see him, like, kind of wandering around, like, the, the frats, and you'd be like, wait, what is this person doing? Because he's, this is, like, a clearly a holy person who loves God. This is someone who, like, is not getting drunk with, with wine. But this is someone who's like interacting in the party environment. And so Jesus, like that's what, that's what he did. And people would actually, like because he was doing that, people actually judged him, right? They're like, they called him like a drunkard and a sinner, right? Because he was hanging out with people who were getting drunk. And he was, he was in contexts where people were doing that. And so I just, if you're in the room and there's like some, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm in Salt Company and I, I'm, I'm regularly getting drunk and we're talking about drunk, being drunk as a sin. I just want you to know like Jesus identifies with people like you. He, he's not put off by people like you. He's not weirded out by that. Jesus actually came to plain earth to be with people like you. He loves people like you. And he loves people like us. Because this is not just a sin that's out there, this is a sin that's up here, right? We have past history with these things. And so I just want from the very beginning just for you to hear that and know that, that this is not something where we're saying like, man, this is like a uniquely bad and evil sin. We're just saying this is one of the things good. that will be for Christians, something that we're going to struggle with and try to figure out how do we follow Jesus in this. So that's, that's the first thing I would just say to you is, hey, Jesus actually came for people like you, and Jesus actually is able to, um, yeah, do, inter interact with that. He's not, he's not going to not come to your party because he's like, well, there's sinners there, so I'm not going to do that. No, he would actually be, he'd be there with you, hanging out. Okay, so, so Caitlin, maybe the, the next person that might be in that spot where they're, they're actually like, part of them still wants to have a foot in, in that world and the other part of them is like, no, but I'm, but I'm here and I'm trying to grow, grow with God. And maybe they find themselves in that spot of like a little bit of a double life. What would you, what would you say to them? Yeah. So I think if you are like struggling with like one foot in, one foot out, double life, um, I am encouraged that you're struggling, I guess, because you're counting the cost of like, okay, I know I am tempted by drinking or whatever your temptation is. And, and I know I'm also really interested in being a Christian and like doing this thing, but you're struggling. You're counting the cost of like, I know what I'm going to have to give up to like actually follow Jesus. Um, so I encourage you to like struggle through that. Like, I think you, I think you need to process that with your like connection group and like trusted Christians that you have in your life of like, yeah, I know what I'm going to have to give up to like fully devote myself to like following Christ. So yeah, I guess I would say like, if you're someone who's like, struggling with the double life, um, in any way, um, struggle, struggle with someone, like t let somebody know because your connection group leader, they're not going to be surprised that you like have a struggle because we all have some type of struggle. Um, but they want to like walk with you through that. Um, and then I would just say like, 
pray that God would change your heart because ultimately, like, if you're, if you're living a double life, you've seen a little bit of the goodness of Christianity and you're interested in the goodness of Christianity, but you're also really, really interested in the goodness of the world. And that's why you're staying in that place. So pray that God would change your heart because that's like on your own, you're, it's not happening, right? That's why you're living the double life right now. Um, so I would say like, let, let somebody in, like whether it's someone in your connection group, a connection group leader, a, a leader at SALT, um, and then to like pray that God would change your heart and, um, and help you feel that conviction and like make the choice to like follow him with your whole heart instead of one foot in, one foot out. Because yeah, I mean, I, I think like beyond drinking, like we, there, there's many other sins that like we can, we can totally hide from our Christian community, right? And we can live this double life. Um, and we don't really experience, like, you're not going to experience the true freedom of, like, getting to walk in Christ until you just give it up. So um, I can tell you as someone who lived in that space for a good year of her life that, um, man, it's great on the other side. <laughs> so, um, but, but I think it's good if you're, if you are struggling, I'm sorry you're struggling, but it's also, that's, that's the hand of God. He's, he's pushing you to struggle and he's pushing you to feel like, mm-hmm. man, I'm feeling pulled this other way. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to do it. I don't know if I want to take that next step. So it's a mature thing to consider the cost of following Jesus. So just a couple more minutes here. What are some just like practical strategies for fighting the temptation to, to try to, to, to drink too much, to go to parties in a, in a way that's like leading you to sin? What are just things like as a college student, you're like, okay, so here's some like practical things that you could do to fight that temptation. Either of you can jump in on that one. Yeah, so I think one of the, so there, there's a bunch of things you can do in your individual life, but I think the reality is we live life, we live lives in community, right? And so I think if you show me your five closest friends, the people you spend the most amount of time with, I, I can show you your, your future, you know? So you, you just, you show me them, what their lives are like, and I can, I can say that is who you will become. And so I think if, if you're someone in this like kind of double life thing, or even if you're like, well, I'm trying to figure out, like I really, I'm, I'm coming to Salkham, I'm figuring this out, but I... My, the closest friends I have, they, they, this is the life they're living. And par, I part of the reason you're struggling to leave this lifestyle behind is because the people who are most shaping you, that's the vision they have for their life. And that's the kind of thing they're trying to pursue. And so it's, it's not strange or weird that you're still struggling with this if those are the, your best friends you spend the most time with. So I think one of the, the hard realities is that's the way the world works. If you read through Proverbs, it, would, it says it's all the time. It's like those who make, the, make friends with fools will find themselves like in a snare. It's like that's just, what it, that's just what it means to be friends with people who want to pursue that is the vision they have for their life does rub off on you. So I would say if, if you're trying to figure out how do I do this, I think the number one thing you can do is actually say that my five closest friends are going to be people who are pursuing godliness and purity of life. And they're actually stronger Christians than I am. And those are the people I'm surrounding myself with. Like every free night, I'm trying to figure out how do I hang out with them. Now, it doesn't mean that you're like leaving behind all your old friends. It's just you're recognizing that like my closest knit group, like my five closest, those people need to actually be people who are like spurring me towards God, not trying to pull me back into this whole lifestyle. I I think that's the most practical thing. And I think if you don't do that, almost no matter what else you do, uh, won't help. Yeah, I was going to say, like, your community is everything. <laughs> like, you, you need people that know your temptations and they know how to, like, be there for you. Um, and I think it's also important, like, to identify, um, like, when, when we're tempted, we're supposed to flee, right? So if you are, if you are, like, 
if you, if you were one of the people that like, like when I was, when I first became a Christian, um, and was like fresh out of the party scene for me, I literally had to be like, I can't be at a party right now because it, I will be too tempted. Like I have to flee that situation. Now, as I got older and more mature in my faith and stronger and like had the right people around me, um, I had no problem being in that environment. It was, it was fine for me. Um, but I think like knowing, knowing where you're at, like it's okay to be in a spot where you're like, I need to be out of this situation. Like I know that this temptation is too great for me. I need to flee. So, um, I would just say like, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're really trying to like fight temptation and you know how easily you can be like tempted to give into that situation, get out of there. (laughs) You don't need to, you don't need to hang around and like be the strong one right now and like be at this party to be a witness in the future. Yes. Hopefully you can be in that place. But if you're like, if this has been a big struggle for you, get out of there, like get yourself out of that situation. So that would be my thought. Yeah. Can I add just one thing about that? So I've talked with a lot of Christians over the years who that the, their, their desire, their goal is to witness for Jesus in the party scene and in like these kind of environments. But because they're weak, because they're immature, what ends up happening is they're like, I'm trying to be a light for Jesus. But then what ends up happening is they actually end up sinning with their friends instead of kind of living a life of godliness in front of their friends. And so I would just say, I would say this, um, the Bible is actually very clear about this, that actually if that's the, if that's the witness you have, it's actually not an encouraging witness, it's like a damaging witness. So if, if your witness amongst your friends is like, when they sin, I sin with them. Mm-hmm. The Bible would actually clearly say like, you're not being a light there. You're actually like damaging the reputation of Jesus and you're damaging the reputation of the church. And so I would just like, so if you're saying like, but I really wanna be a witness, I really want people to be saved. I would say totally, but God wants them to be saved more than you do. And your job as a Christian is to figure out how you get mature mm-hmm. and how you get in environments where you can actually grow yourself so you can step into those planes. Yeah. But don't delude yourself in thinking that it's actually good for me to drink with my friends mm-hmm. and tell them about Jesus at the same time. Because the Bible consistently says, actually, you're not helping the situation. You're actually making it worse. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's some of you in the room, this may be like the last category person, that you've, you've kind of gotten to this point in your walk with God where you... Like, like the, the temptation to, to drink and get drunk just isn't there anymore, isn't as strong anymore. And you can actually be in an environment at a, at a party and around alcohol where you can actually be like salt in that environment. Like rather than that environment influencing you, you actually have kind of the maturity to influence that environment. But maybe you've just been away from it so long or you've kind of distanced yourself from, from people that are doing that for so long that you don't, you don't have a chance to, to do it. And that's the other part of the salt metaphor is salt has to like be out in, in the world to even do its job. And so maybe if you're in that spot, you could consider like, because I'm one of these Christians on campus that actually um, could be a positive influence in that environment, what would it look like for me to, to step closer to, to some of those people? And if you're somewhere in between those two things and you're trying to figure out how can I grow in my walk with God to the point where I, I could be an influencer in that environment, the like, but like community would be one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is what I was saying earlier. God wants to give you everything that you're after in alcohol and in partying, but in a way that he actually delivers on that promise in a way that you don't actually get kind of tricked and corrupted and destroyed. Like Satan, he wants to destroy you. God, he actually wants to give you life and life abundantly. And so as simple as it sounds, the closer that you draw to God, 
like there, there's so many metaphors in the Bible of, of talking about the joy of knowing God at, and like comparing it to even something like wine and alcohol. There's so many metaphors in the Bible that talk about like what it's gonna be like to be in God's presence and it talks about a party and that's because the, the joy and like the faint echo of those things is actually like found fully in him. So the closer that you draw to him, the more like him you become and, and honestly just the more that you start to enjoy him, the less that you're gonna need to elevate alcohol or elevate parties to, to his place and the more that those things are gonna find themselves back in, in the place where they belong.